Good evening and welcome to the Apple Store in the Mall of Emirates in Dubai. Thank you for joining us for tonight's special event. We are very pleased to welcome our guest moderator for the evening, the editor-in-chief of Grazia magazine, Alison Tay. Thank you. A very good evening to you all and thank you so much for coming. We're so happy to see you here at the Apple Store in Mall of the Emirates. Now, I would absolutely love to introduce to you a multi-award winning Arabic artist. She has two sellout albums to her name and she's music royalty in this region. She needs absolutely no introduction. She is, of course, the brilliant, the beautiful Balkis. <laughs> Before you start, I'm really sorry for being late, but the traffic is crazy in Dubai tonight. <laughs> We're so happy to see you here. You look incredible. Thank you very much. You too. I like your dress. <laughs> Thank you. I love yours. Does everybody here speak English? Or do I need to translate into Arabic? A little bit of Arabic. Okay. So, as everyone here I'm sure knows, you come from a very famous musical family. What's your earliest memory of music? I used to play with my peers, yeah? So every, I think most of the people here know that my father is like... Um, he's been a musician for the past 30 years. And he's a very famous oud player in the Middle East. So he used to play oud all the time. And I used to listen to it. Sometimes I, I get into some of the musical notes that he plays with his oud. So I leave my dolls and everything and I keep listening and looking. Then he said, come here, I want to test something. And I was like, what is it? He said, I want you to sing along with me while playing oud. And I was like, okay, sure, let's do that. So I started singing and that was at the age of seven when my father actually realized that I have the, um, the talent. Uh -huh. And he said, I think you have a great talent and we have to build up on it. That's an amazing story. Um, other than your father, what kind of music do you remember um, listening to in the house as a child? What did your parents listen to? Mostly classical Arabic music that belongs to the 1950s and probably earlier than that. Uh, we've got uh, very famous artists like Fairuz, Um Kalthoum, Abdul Halim Hafid, Muhammad Abdul Wahab. These are very famous artists back into the 1950s and 30s and 20s, if you want. And they used to play all this uh, sort of music every morning before I go to school. What a musical education that was. So, to my mind, it seems like you were forever destined for a career in music. But that's not altogether the case, is it? Tell us a little bit more about that. Um, this is like a 50-50 kind of thing because I wasn't destined to be a musician. And this could be a little bit shocking for the audience because uh, my mother refused me being a musician by all means. She wasn't happy with the decision. And my father thought that I would be a great musician when I get um, bigger. Uh, so they were preparing me at the university to be a professor, teaching assistant at first. So I got an offer from Abu Dhabi University, the university where I graduated back then to be a teaching assistant while doing my master's degree. 
And uh, I released two research papers, and they are available for all students across the world as references. They are in marketing, the field of the study that uh, I did. I did master in strategic marketing, and I did bachelor in marketing too. So uh, I was getting prepared by the professors there to be a teaching assistant and a professor later after I earned my PhD from UK. But that was not the case. I was destined to be a musician. I think um, it was destined by all means. Um, I faced the refuse of my mother at home. And then uh, it was uh, a very important discussion that we had that night. And I said, uh, you are taking a lot of time. And I made my decision after earning my master's degree. And I think it's the time for me to be a musician. And this is how I started. That's a fascinating story. What, what, what was it that your mother had a problem with? What was, what was it about, about um, following your father into music that concerned her? It's the local traditions, definitely, and uh, rules and regulations of the house. Uh, I was uh, obliged to wear uh, abaya and uh, hijab the whole time. And I respect this with all means, and I have respect for everybody who does this as well. But uh, music requires you to you know, be a celebrity who is appearing everywhere on media channels and social media channels without wearing hijab, definitely. My mother was not happy with that decision, and she was not happy with the expose that I would get, uh, you know, my pictures and everything gets released all over the place, all over the planet on social media. She was not happy with such exposure, and she said, we've got traditions that you have to respect. And that was the only thing that she had in mind. But then, after she made sure that the industry haven't changed a lot of my values and my morals, she then felt happy. So how does she feel about your career now? She is very happy. And she's, she was actually wishing if she could be here long. But she's in Abu Dhabi tonight, and I'm in Dubai, and I want, I want her to rest. She accompanies me in all uh, the journeys I make. Every time I travel, my mother is always with me. She wants to make sure that I'm safe and sound. So uh, she's resting today before we uh, head the road to uh, Qatar. We're going to Doha tomorrow. Um, so going back to your father, what lessons have you learned from your father about music? What's he taught you? What have you absorbed from being around him? The thing I like about my dad is that he was, he was so honest when he discussed this with me. And he said, this music industry in the Middle East uh, is like a forest. You're going to see good and you're going to see bad. So you have to stick to your values and morals and never change them. You have to get back to your origins and roots the whole time. You have to always think about the way we brought you up at this house. You never lose your values because of the musical industry and the bad people who are performing as well and living in that uh, industry. Regardless of the talent, the values and the morality is much more important. So what kind of values have you learned that you take with you and infuse into your life and your career? Humbleness. You have to always be humble and uh, treat people with uh, good willing. Um, you always have to have faith of whatever you're doing. And if you believe in it, just stick to it and uh, do it no matter what it takes. So these are the most important things I actually learned from the musical industry. But above everything else, um, gold is gold. It never changes, regardless of how much time passes. 
So uh, I'd always love to get back to my roots and origins and I'd always love to stick to my values and never change. That's lovely, thank you. Um, oh. Now, what are the challenges facing a modern Arabic artist in 2015? In the music industry, we're facing the problem of piracy big time. And um, all the rights are not reserved. So if you spend a fortune of money producing good quality of music or probably video clips, it's never saved. The rights are not saved. Anyone can just do the piracy thing and spread them across all social media channels. And uh, the purchases, the level of the purchase in Virgin Megastore, probably iTunes or anywhere else, uh, would decline because of that. And hence, we don't have accurate figures and facts about the level of purchases we have of our albums, unlike the Western uh, musical industry. Um, what is um, the music industry in the Middle East doing about that? What steps can be made to align? We need laws and regulations to be set and uh, we need uh, 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 people who are doing this to be treated as cr criminals. Same like what's happening in uh, Europe and America. Yeah? But unfortunately there, is, there are a lot of people striving to set these laws and regulations. We are calling for these uh, rights across social media channels. But uh, I hope in the near future, somebody is going to listen and put uh, a law that could definitely stop this uh, piracy happening in the Middle East because it's, it's absolutely um, draining us as artists. We don't have accurate facts and figures. So if you have an artist who says that I sold 10 million albums, 10 million, um, uh, you know, it's, it, this, is, this cannot, can never be true because we are having the, uh, the issue of piracy happening in the musical industry. No, that's, that's a really, really valid point, and I'm sure a lot of people are listening to what you've got to say today. Thank you. Now, we've talked about your traditions. How important is it to you to incorporate traditional Arabic music and your culture into your sound? See, although I believe that music is an international language, I'd still uh, think that it is uh, the right and... Uh, it's something that we as Arab musicians have to do in order to spread our music to the whole world, that we stick to our original music kind of a thing. Probably some of fusion is okay, but again, sticking to Arabic music and trying to widely spread it across the world is something that is, something that is I believe, is, is essential and fundamental nowadays in music. I cannot go to the whole world saying that I'm an Arab musician who performs music and give them something that is Western, because they already have it. But rather, I could always say I'm an Arab musician who's giving Arabic music with some glimpse of Western music or fusion of other international sort of music, and here it is. Then this is going to be uh, far uh, more interesting than just uh, you know having a totally Western sort of music, techno music or whatever, and just saying that I'm an Arab music giving such uh, sort of music to the world. Amazing, thank you. So, who are your musical idols? Fairuz is my musical idol. I love Fairuz. Fairuz uh, sustained her image for the past 50, 60 years of her musical industry career. 
And uh, this is something that I really admire about her, the way she stands on stage, the sort of music, the quality of music that she gives to the audience is absolutely respectable. Are there any... Don't you think so? Are there in any international artists you admire? International, I like Adele. Because I'll tell you something very important. It's not easy to sustain your position in the musical industry, especially if you disappear for some time taking care of your personal issues and then coming back and doing all this success. This is crazy. Have you heard her last uh, latest thing? Of course, I love it. It's a blast, isn't it? It's amazing quality, lovely voice. And I felt that the audience is still missing Adele. And this is very important because we have a lot of artists who make a huge success, but then after they disappear for a year or two, people do forget them because of the quality of the music or probably their image that wasn't, that wasn't genuine, I would say. Adele is different and that's what I like about her. Do you think she was smart to disappear? Do you think it's the whole leave them wanting more? It's a number of factors. It's not about smartness by itself. She has the charisma, she has the voice, and she has the, uh, the beliefs and the morals, again. Uh, she doesn't care about this uh, cliche of the media that says that the slimmer, the sexier you are, the more successful you get. That's not what Adil believes in. And this is something that I really like about her. She was happy about her overweight. Uh, she was happy about her image. She was happy about her being a single mom, getting pregnant, having the baby, taking care of the baby, getting away from the musical industry. She was happy with everything she was doing. She believed in it. Deep down there, when she came back, she gave a music from her heart and she approached each and every one in the world. What I love about Adele as well is her honesty. She's not afraid to strip herself down for her music and I think that's something that the audience really connects with as well. This is one of the things that I like about her as well, yes. And uh, uh, it doesn't have to be that for success for the sake of success, then I have to give away some of the yeah, moralities or beliefs I have in my mind. Uh, sticking to what you believe and having some, like a, a group of smart people working around you and you being smart as well in marketing your work and approaching the audience and sustaining your image is one of the most important things. Who's that kid? Hi. <laughs> Now, is there, any, is there another artist? I have to answer this in Arabic. Okay, wow. Is there another artist, living or dead, that you would dream of doing a duet with? Doing a duet with? Uh, we have an Arab idol, Muhammad Abdo. Muhammad Abdo, صح? <laughs> Muhammad Abdo is a, is a true idol. And I'd, I'd really be honored to do a duet with, uh, with him one day. Uh, there is uh, this star who's been there for like 30 years, Abdul Majid Abdullah. I love Abdul Majid Abdullah. He's one of the, the greatest uh, artists. There is one who left music industry for political, probably, I don't know, for whatsoever personal reasons, I'd say. I don't want to, you know, um, give my opinion in this. But Fadl Shakir, 
His name is Fadl Shakir. Fadl Shakir is one of the well-known uh, uh, celebrities for having a very nice voice. But unfortunately, he left the musical industry for whatever personal reasons. I would still want to do a duet with him if he comes back to the music. International, internationally, I like Katy Perry. I think Katy Perry has a charisma and she has a very nice personality. Um, I find myself and her sometimes just watching. She's such a crazy one and she is genuine. She is honest and I'd love to be, uh, you know, doing a duet with her. Well, she's coming to Dubai next week, so you could be in luck. I'll make sure. <laughs> now, um, you sing in four languages. What, why was it important to you to learn to communicate with an international audience in that way? Uh, again, music is an international language. And um, if I sing in Arabic, doing classical sort of music that is international in approach, then I would still succeed. But for an opera soprano, I sing opera, as most of the people know. I do Italian, French, Arabic and English. And these are four main languages in the opera that I do. So, for you to be a professional soprano, you have to perform in multi-languages. But for me, as Balqis, what's most important for the audience is that, man, the Arab world has a soprano who performs in Italian very well. I want the word Arab always to be mentioned between brackets. Um, so, which of the four languages do you like, do you, do you enjoy singing in the most? Perhaps after, after Arabic, is there, is there another language that you particularly connect with? I love, I don't speak Italian, but I sing sometimes in Italian. I like the Italian pronunciation in opera, and uh, this is what qualifies it to be the second best language after Arabic. Bella. <laughs> Grazie. <laughs> Um, what do you think it is about music? I mean, you, you've said music is an international language. What is it to you about music that transcends countries, cultures, borders, whether it's in the Middle East or beyond? What is it that makes music transcend? It's the sense, the sensation that the music holds. I sometimes listen to Indian music, let's say. I don't speak Indian, but I don't as well understand what they are saying. And you know, in India, they have like more than, I don't know, 60, 70 languages probably. But again, it's the sort of music, the sensation that you get. Uh, it's very interesting to watch their video clips, watching their uh, culture, watching their dances, their sort of makeup, their clothes and everything. It's, uh, it's, it's a total number of factors that makes it up a very interesting uh, thing to... Yeah, absolutely. I, I always like this. And I always like to... First thing I do when I travel to other countries, visiting their museums and listening to their music. These are two fundamental things that could define the civilization of art and culture in any country. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you've just touched on it just now. I'm going to um, ask you about it. When music is, is an experience, it's not just listening. For you, you just said it's watching the video clips, looking at the styling, the costume, the image making, the social media profile. In your own career, what part of that do you enjoy the most and which part do you Each wish didn't exist? <laughs> I like to get involved from A to Z. I have an amazing professional team who works with me, but I like to get involved in each and every step. From the step of choosing the right lyrics on the right 
uh, music composition, to the arrangement, to the studio recording, and then to choosing the best director for the video clip, to the idea, to the performance of the video clip, and then to the execution to the social media. I love this game, and I play it very well, together with my team, definitely. And um, as a marketer, I keep these secrets in my pocket, yes. I don't like to share them with everyone, but uh, I love and I enjoy each and every step of the music production uh, cycle. How, where do you think you've succeeded where other young artists have failed in, I suppose, keeping that control and staying in the driving seat of your career and developing where your career is going? It's very important to have great mind when you work with a great team because a music artist who depends totally on their team and uh, just depending on their vocal capabilities, definitely they're going to fail at any stage. What if your agent decided that he doesn't want to work with you anymore? What if the production company decided that you're not qualified to work with that company anymore? What if they got bankrupted and they said, I don't want to do any sort of music production? What would you do? Have you thought about plan B? Do you have any contingency plan? That's the thing. Most of the artists usually put the whole load on the team just thinking that they are stars and no matter what. No, I want you to get back on the ground and think as a talent, what if they abandoned your talent? What would you do in this case in order to make it work? Then that's the good question for you to ask as a talent yourself and have a proper answer for a contingency plan. Let me clap for myself too. <laughs> now, you have the, as everybody here I'm sure knows, you have the most downloaded album in the charts in the Middle East. Now, what do you think it is about you and your music that connects so successfully with the Arabic audiences? Um, the right use of the social media channels that I have, because we are in the social media era, it's no more that the audience has to go to the uh, Virgin Megastore, Apple, iTunes, just to get the music. Yes, I understand, these are important, but how do you engage your fans and audience in listening to your music? How do you make it interesting for them to listen? What would you do in order for them to understand that you just released an album and that you're marketing your work? Then um, uh, these as well, uh, all these lie in a very important marketing plan that you should make. But among all, you have to have a proper social media plan. So how do you use social media to connect with your audience? I know that you're one of the most active regional artists on Apple Music Connect. Are th what are the other streams that you find the most engaging, I suppose, and, and your fans engage with you the most? I don't do it as a duty or an obligation that I have to post something about my album right now and it has to appear to all my audience. I don't do it that way. I do it after I think of something that is a little bit creative and probably interesting to the audience to open that video and watch and probably comment and start interacting. Because the more interaction you get on social media channels, the more engagement and interest you can definitely gauge through your audience and your fans. So this is what I usually do. I think of something a little bit out of, out of the box. Let's say that I put one of my songs on a cartoon that is a comic. Then um, I have a lot of uh, 
funds who are under 25 years old and things like this uh, are very important. You have to get the demographics of your social media channels and understand the tastes and preferences of your audience, the age groups, the gender, the educational level, everything. So I, from time to time, I gauge this uh, demographics through uh, my uh, comments that I get. Okay, I don't have the time to read all the comments, but I do actually have a look at them from time to time in order to understand what age group I'm dealing with. And this is how I come up with uh, new ideas. Do you guys like my answers? <laughs> or are you just clapping? <laughs> now, the advent of downloadable music has completely changed the way we buy and we listen to music. In 2015, does that change your approach to recording and conceptualizing an album that may not necessarily be listened all the way through from track one to, say, track 12? Okay. It's right. part A, part B. Part A, the process of making an album, or probably a process of making a single, yeah? That's something basic that never changes. You, I don't write, and I, I don't write lyrics, I mean, and I don't compose. So I depend on people, I give them the idea, or sometimes they give me very, very nice ideas. So I read the lyrics, and then I give it to the composer. We choose the composer. Sometimes the composer and the writer both have agreed on something. So I listen to it as a demo. And then after that, the demo goes to the arranger, and then we do a proper musical arrangement. After we get the arrangement, we go to the studio, I do the record. After the record, we do the mix. And after that, once it's ready and everybody is happy about everything, we release it. Now, plan B, or the process B. Process B is about the approach or the release. When you release it, now that's the game. How do you release? When? Is it the perfect timing? I make sure it's the weekend. Okay, that's one of the secrets. And I make sure, <laughs> I make sure it's not the exam. I make sure it's not the exam period of time. Because I think people who release something at the exam time are missing a very, very big part of the game. If you release anything at the exam time, people are very busy reading and writing and you know, memorizing and everything. Who would look into your music? And people who release anything right before Ramadan. Ramadan is a fasting. Uh, it's one of the holy months for Muslims, yeah? So we do fast, we don't listen to music and anything. Why would you release anything like one week before Ramadan? So you have to always choose the perfect timing and do a proper approach with a very nice marketing plan for the audience. That's how it goes. Process B is way, way more important than process A. Okay, they're all complementing each other, but process A is as the same as since 1920. Probably the technology have changed. That's it, the technology. Thank you. Now, we're all dying to know what the most played songs are on your own personal iTunes account. Uh, they're mostly Arabic music, to be honest with you. Mostly Arabic music, and they're mostly classical Arabic music. I listen to Fairuz every morning, and sometimes before I sleep, because she helps me get relaxed. And uh, something that could uh, probably, the audience don't know, I don't listen a lot to Um Kalthoum. Um Kalthoum, she's one of the legends in the Arab music. I don't listen to her a lot. Probably I listen to Fairuz more. Um, anything that is recently released, that I missed, and my friends are telling me, this is a hit, this is a hit you have to listen to, I go and I listen. And that's what's actually most playable on my uh, iTunes. Do you have different music you like listening to for different moods? Or is it the other way around? Does music put you in a different mood? 
No, um, according to my mood, I put music. And I think this is the case with most of the people nowadays. So if I'm sad, <laughs> I listen to something that is, uh, you know, probably putting me into that mood. If I'm happy, then I listen to something that is hyper. Um, For example? If I'm happy, I put happy, happy, happy. Pharrell, nice, good choice. And what about sad, Adele? <laughs> Sometimes, yes, and sometimes I put Arabic music too. If I'm in the gym, then I put hip hop RB. Nice. Who are your favorite artists? Tupac. <laughs> of course. That deserves a round of applause. <laughs> now, um, what advice would you give to someone who dreams of following in your footsteps? Um, if they have something that they truly believe in, then they have to approach it no matter what. They have to have an ambition. They have to have a five years plan from now. Um, why five? I don't know, but it has to be five. <laughs> uh, they have to plan ahead very well. They have to uh, dream big and always try to think that nothing could hinder the process as long as they believe in it. They have to use their law of attraction big time because I believe in law of attraction. Now, I know that you have a very special secret method of making your dreams come true. Would you like to share it with our audience? I'll share it in Arabic this time. Okay. Okay, but I'll tell you Arabic. Because we have too many Arab audience here. Tell me what's the secret تخطيط العمل اوكي فانا عندي عاده للاسف امي دائما تهاوشني عليها عاده الكتابه على الجدران اي رايت اون ذا وولز سو الغرفه عندي كلها مكتوب عليها يعني كل مكان في الغرفه مكتوب عليه كلام كثير يعني ايش حسوي ايش اللي اخطط عليه ف اف يو لايك اني ون هو وود انتر ماي روم جو تو ذا رايت اون ذا وول اي هاف ذا 2015 بلان And every night before I go to bed, قبل ما أروح أنام, أشوف إيش الأشياء اللي كتبتها في نهاية 2014. هل حققت شيء منها كثير ولا قليل؟ طيب كم باقي عشان أحقق هذه الأشياء؟ طب هل في أشياء ممكن إني أأجلها ل 2015؟ ولا في ل 2016؟ ولا كل شيء تقريبا خلص عندي؟ كم بالمية حققت؟ هل أنا راضي عن اللي حققت ولا لا؟ طب إذا في شيء منهم تحقق هل كان بالإمكان أن يكون أفضل؟ ولا خلاص راحت عليه ها الحين الحين ثمانين أيوة ثمانين الحمد لله أيوة. so uh, this is something very important I think anyone who would want anything they shouldn't actually have to write it on the wall because this is a bad habit and my mom is like going crazy because of it like everywhere I I could write on my feet But <laughs> at least I'm keeping the ideas in my head not to forget them. It's not about forgetting, but the more you have to see all this information in front of your eyes, the more you get eager to approach them. And this is what's happening. I think this is one of the most important secrets I never share with anyone because my mom is fighting with me every day and night about this. Do I have to paint the wall again and again and again? I'm like, yes, for 2016, you have to paint the wall. I have too many information to write. Well, thank you for sharing that special secret with us. And uh, by the way, sometimes I use my lipstick writing on the mirror. So if I'm putting a, lip a lipstick on because I have an outing, I go like, oh, an idea. And on the mirror, I write with the lipstick. I still have those. 
That's creative, but it's crazy for my mum. <laughs> now, you're a multi-award-winning artist, but as every successful person knows, there are awards and there are rewards. What is the most rewarding part of your career? Every time I get on stage and I see all this audience calling my name and singing along my songs is a moment of glory. That's a reward. Every time. Regardless of, regardless of how big the hall is. Um, I've been to places where it could take up to 30,000 audience and they all actually were there on, on like with me in the stage and they're all singing and calling my name. And I've been to halls where it only could take up to 1,500 audience, which is um, minimal. But again, every time I get into stage and I listen to people calling my names and singing my songs, I think that's a moment of glory for me. Absolutely. Now, um, as the next generation of modern collegiate artists, what do you feel your contribution to Arabic music would be and what would you like your legacy to be? Um, this is a very good question. Uh, I always get this question of what's next and what are you planning to do in the near future? Are you going to stick to the pop music kind of a style or are you going to broaden it a little bit? And the answer is, the answer is, <laughs> um, I am intending to do new type of music. And I started already. I'm going to work with a Rahbani family. A Rahbani family are very well known production musician, very, very huge production company and musicians who actually did production for the legendary Fairuz that I told you about earlier. And now they are having, they are collaborating with me on this upcoming project. Uh, it's a musical theater. And I will be performing for the first time as an actress, but musical like 80% of the time. But again, working with Arahbani is a turning point in my career. It could be answering your next question. Uh, working with this uh, family is a great pleasure. It's such an honor. And it is a turning point because when I say turning point, the type of music I'm going to deliver is going to be entirely different. It's uh, classical away from the pop style that I do. It doesn't mean that I'm underestimating the pop style. A pop style is amazing and it has a broad audience for it. And I'm going to carry on doing that because I succeeded in that. But now I think it's the time for people to listen to me doing some classical. As an Arab, I want to go to the whole world singing as a soprano because I have the capability and I can always build up on it in multi-languages and tell the whole world that we have Arab sopranos who can go international. Well, I myself and I'm sure everybody here wishes you every success for that. And we cannot wait to hear what you do next. <laughs> now, I'm sure I can't be the only one here that would like to ask Balkis any questions. Would anyone like to ask any questions? Yeah, Jamaa, if anyone has a question in Arabic or Okay. Well, ladies first. Where's the mic? Thank you. Please, may I have your question for Balkis? Uh, hi, Balkis. Hi, Balkis. I'm Amal from Sudan. Uh, big fan, of course, from the cover. Thank you. 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 
she said what she wanted to say. Okay. <laughs> Who's next? Gentlemen over here, thank you, sir. بعد انت ما كنت يعني مغنيه مشهوره ومعروفه بين كل العالم، ما تفكرين تكتبين كتاب عن قصه حياتك وهدفك يعني للنهايه لهذا الطريق؟ اجابتي وايد راح تكون صريحه. اذا كتبت كتاب بتطلع فيه اشياء وايد مش حلوه واشياء حلوه لان كل انسان ناجح او يسعى للنجاح يكون في عنده جانب مظلم وجانب منور. أنا عندي جانب مظلم وعندي جانب منور من ناس تعاملت معهم وحتى في شخصيتي فأنا أخاف أني لو كتبت كتاب أكون صريحة زيادة عن اللزوم بطريقة ممكن أن تزعل أي أحد مني أو تزعلني من نفسي فعشان كذي ما أبي أكتب Would you like to share the answer with, your, with the English speaking members of the audience? Uh, yes, sure. Do you want me to translate? He, the, he asked a very important question. He said, would you write a book about yourself as a biography. That's a great question. It is I'm going to be out of a job. <laughs> I, the answer was no, simply because um, every successful person or artist have uh, a bright side and a probably a dark side. The dark side is about people who have dealt with you from your family or outside your family or even about yourself. I have a lot of people, like I have read biographies about a lot, of, a lot of people who spoke genuinely about their addiction and their personal issues. And def not, not like we as Arabs, we, we have conservations over this. We can never talk about it. It doesn't mean that I'm a strong person. I have no mistakes that I committed. Yes, I committed mistakes, but it's better not to reveal them to the Arab world because they will judge you. While in Hollywood, nobody would judge. A little bit, yes, media would judge definitely for some time, but then they will accept you as you are. And also, I don't want to reveal my personal stories that happened with musicians and probably some of the family members because it would definitely scratch something. And, you know, um, I don't want to hurt anyone. If I write a biography, I have to be very honest. And because we, don't, we are not granted, the honesty is not granted in the Middle East, I'm sorry, I cannot write a book. Thank you for that answer. Thank you for the question. Does anyone else like to ask Balkis any questions? Oh, right over here, sir, on the, on the front row. Balkis, you know that you are close to the people of the government. So, can you see the people of the government before you see the government? Yes, I'm going to show you this picture. And today, I'm going to put it on Instagram. He wants to see the wall. بس ما تبي تقرا الكلام لا لا <تصفيق> أصور لك Oh we've got some fans over here um, gentlemen in the whites please may I have your question Yes hello first hello. of all first of all Balqis I just wanted to tell you I adore adore you and your music Thank you Second of all when you mentioned about the, your bad habits about writing in the wall and the mirror you said that you accomplished 80% of what you wanted what I wanted to ask I, I am actually curious, what is Balqis's 100% accomplishment of what you wanted? When will you reach 100%? So what is the thing that will let you reach your 100% accomplishment? The thing is, it's a very good question, but the thing is, uh, we strive for completing our journey and having everything accomplished before we pass away. This is the يعني ينجز الشيء اللي هو يطمح له 
وقبل ما الله يعني يتوفاه صح ولا لا؟ طيب المشكلة أنا ما عندي يعني طموح أقول لك يعني إذا أنا if I accomplished something I always think of something next what's next وهذا مش بس عندي هذا عند معظم الناس الناس اللي يعني اللي فاهمين الحياة فاهمين نفسهم هم إيش اللي يقدرون عليه وإيش اللي ما يقدرون عليه بالنهاية أنت تكتب لنفسك خطة وطموح تحقق وبعدين ترجع تقول طيب مش كافي لا أنا كنت أبغى أكثر من كذا كلنا ننجح مثلا في الخليج أوكي اليوم نجحت في الخليج بكرة أفكر في الوطن العربي بتخلص الوطن العربي تفكر في العالم بتضل طول عمرك تبي توصل أوكي اليوم اسأل المو... الع... اسأل أديل أنا ودي أسأل هالسؤال يقول لها أديل after all this that you accomplished after this worldwide fame that you got what's next what do you want to do تعرف شو بتكون إجابتها عندي إحساس I want to raise up my kid. وهني تجي الغريزة الأنثوية عند الحرمة. اليوم أنا لو تسألني أقول لك أنا أتمنى أتزوج وأجيب عيال. إن شاء الله. Now I've got some Balkis fans over here. I can see them. They're behind you. Hi. I'd love your question for Balkis. مين فنانات الخليج الأولى؟ ول تبين دخلينا بهذا انت مين فنانه الخليج الاولى بقول لك على حاجه بقول لك على حاجه صراحه اجابتي يعني شوفي شوفي انا عن عن نفسي ارى انه الانجاز اهم بكثير من تحقيق الالقاب يعني هي لما سالتني قالت لي مين مثلك الاعلى قلت لها فيروز انا قلت قلت شيء قبل فيروز ما قلت فنانة العرب الأولى ولا قلت فنانة الخليج الأولى قلت فيروز فيروز أبت أن يكون عندها لقب فيروز إز فيروز واليوم هي لجند أهم مني ومن كل أحد موجود الحين على الساحة صح ولا لا؟ لو شلنا لقب فنان العرب من محمد عبده بيغير منه شيء بيبقى محمد عبده كما هو أنا عن نفسي دائما أقول الألقاب حاجة زائفة وأنا ما أبغى في يوم من الأيام يكون عندي لقب، إذا تسأليني مين فنانة الخليج الأولى زي ما قلتي فنانة الخليج الأولى أحلام ونوال، نوال تاريخ وأحلام تاريخ، معليش. اثنين يستحقون. نوال تغني من قبل ما نخلق. تغني قبل أحلام كمان. وأحلام صار لها تقريباً 19 سنة بتغني والاثنين اللي هم الاحترام والتقدير. هذه تاريخ وهذه تاريخ والثنتين فنانات أول. Thank you for your question. Thank you for all your questions. Thank you for joining both of us here this evening. And a very special thanks to the beautiful Balkis. Thank you, Alison. I like your questions. And I hope I answered them clearly and um, from my heart. Uh, thank you for everybody who is here. Really, you mean the world to me. And uh, أغني لكم؟ يلا غنوا أنتم معايا تغر حتم يا والحالية أخفف من الغيرة علي لي قلب غيرك ما هو شكرا تصبحون على خير وthank you very much for being here مرة أسعدتوني شكرا، شكرا